Second Star to the Left, a podcast on everything fantastic, strange, and science fictional. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Nelson, with me, and we're friends. I'm Bert. I'm Chris. I'm Katie. We're continuing our late 90s retrospective this week, but before we get into that, we want to answer some listener emails. So I had this uh, email come in this week to our email. You can email us at secondstarcast at gmail.com. They wanted to ask the cast, uh, what's your favorite spaceship? (laughs) <laughs> like, or favorite, like, space-frame vessel, I guess. Uh, I would say the Satellite of Love, uh, Mystery Science Theater, just <laughs> because it's shaped like a bone, and uh, all the stuff is designed by Joel Hodgson, and it looks really cool and DIY and not like a spaceship, because it's some set on some closed TV circuit channel. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to go with a super normie answer here. For some reason, I just find the X-Wing to be really evocative. When I was a kid, I always, like, pictured myself flying an X-Wing, and I kind of like the idea of that, like, solo, independent freedom to, like, roam around the galaxy in your, like, little, very, very cool-looking, heavily armed spaceship. Um... I don't know. There was just something like kind of magical about Luke Skywalker getting into the X-Wing for the first time and then flying up against the Death Star with, you know, a dozen raggedy ass fighters that kind of has never, ever left me, uh, even though, you know, many of my science fiction interests go far afield from Star Wars. That will always be really close to my heart. And mine's, I guess, kind of a spoiler if you haven't read the Expanse series, but I think my favorite is some of the Laconian ships described, uh, namely the massive ship called the Tempest, because everything with that technology uh, is kind of organic in a very off-putting way. <laughs> so, the, the cliche answer is probably the Enterprise D, just because I grew up with that. But I think the, the real answer is uh, Moya from Farscape. I think it's one of the few ships... Um, I mean, obviously, like every starship has its own personality like in the motion picture they spend like eight minutes i think just like looking at the enterprise in farscape like moya has a genuine personality and i think that's super like they, they really take the concept of a biomechanical ship to that level i think maybe a different way i think than Kay's talking about but i love farscape and i love moya Ooh, yeah. yeah, honorable mention to Lex, the spaceship from Lex. Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> Isn't that a giant flying penis? No, it's a giant <laughs> flying bug that kind of looks like a penis. <laughs> penis bug. I'm sure it's coincidental on the show Lex with two X's. Yeah, one of the hornier science fiction shows of all time. <laughs> yeah, it's hey. a, a sneak on late at night sci-fi teenager thing. Like, what's <laughs> this about? It was like the nerds version of... MTV skins. <laughs> wow. I mean, Farscape was pretty horny to begin with, you know? It's true. They tried to throw Aaron and uh, John Crichton together at every opportunity. There's a lot of crashing together on that ship. Yeah, there's a lot of blue half naked girls, too. It's a lot That's of that. true. Yay, science fiction. Yay. <laughs> Let's talk about sci fi. 
What movie are we discussing this week? This week we're talking in the 1999 Brendan Fraser vehicle, The Mummy. Where did you get this? On a dig down in Thebes. <gasps> Jonathan, I think you found something. There is an ancient legend of a place known as the City of the Dead. We call it the doorway to hell. Where the earliest pharaohs were said to have hidden the wealth of Egypt. Are we going into battle? There's something out there. Something underneath that sand. They came to uncover its secrets. Mummies, my good son. This is where they made the mummies. <laughs> they sought to unlock its treasure. And then there was light. Oh, boy. What they did. Oh, my God. It does exist. I think this may be the Book of the Dead. Was unleash a force unlike any the world has ever known. How'd y'all react to this one? I think this is, a, like I mentioned at the start of our cast, continuing this late 90s retrospective that we appear to be doing. Uh, how'd y'all respond to watching The Mummy 20 years later? You don't want to break down the plot of The Mummy 1999 starring Brendan Fraser? <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Bert, would it help you if we broke down the plot? So you know how you used to do like every single thing that happens? Okay. I would love for you to do that for this film. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the Mummy is the story no, of Brendan no. Fraser. <laughs> Getting shot down. It's and his sidekick, Benny. Um, I like the idea of, like, by the way, this is kind of a tangent, like, that we all just, like, try to summarize what we remember from the movie in, like, one sentence. Um, oh, that's a good idea. Let's do that for for the first time, I guess. <laughs> let's just go for, i mean like you know that this is mostly catering to me and how i love summarizing things in the stupidest way possible so. sure it's a little biased i'll take it the serious route with lots of commas the mummy is a story of an ancient <laughs> mummy curse no! <laughs> this is that. completely sideways from the point of the experiment <laughs> yes let's okay uh brendan fraser kicks mummy ass there you go okay there's one Oh boy! Uh, somebody else go next. I have Alternate to think take. about this. Rachel Weiss invents the hot librarian. <laughs> uh, a corpse gets reanimated and is uncomfortably hot. The end. Mm, true. The horny answer, of course. I see. <laughs> We're staying on brand. Uh, the mummy is a brilliant setup for. The greatest CGI scene of all time in which the rock is attached to a scorpion's body and it looks like a terrible video game. So we would never have had that moment in some Scorpion King movie in the future without the mummy. So really, that's... Thank goodness. Yeah, that's important. I don't know how it pertains to this particular movie, but, you know, it's important to be forward-thinking. I think my sentence is... um... A bunch of actors try to do stunts on a closed set until I fall asleep, and then a computer tries to wake me up with wacky hijinks. <laughs> several, several times. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> That's about it. Um, who... Okay, I have to ask. Who... I need to look this up. Who was the actor who played Benny? Um, you're using actor in, like, several thousand closed quotes, right? Big, huge air quotes. Just uh, that was like the only character I found at all entertaining or compelling. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> Kevin Kevin O'Connor. There's going to be a lot of disagreement on this episode. I like it. It's going to be great. I didn't say he was a good actor. I just saying like the way that the whole movie was written. Rel- it was relatively like, speaking. Yeah. I typed okay. in the movie instead of the mummy. Good job, Brian. Are you saying you guys didn't like this movie? <laughs> I love this movie. I love the bad... I love the script writing that like hangs a lantern on every single line and plot point. <laughs> I love the... It's clearly, to me, an homage to like the action-adventure movies, but in a self-referential way that isn't up its own ass. And I love that. Well... Oh my god, this Fuck guy also you. played That's in Van Helsing. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. Of course I he disagree. played in Van Helsing. What else I, would he have a career in? I this guy's meant to be so languishing hard. in video games, Van Helsing, and The Mummy. I think I'm, I'm like, I could, I could just freaking... You could make the Dead Sea with how much salt I have at that statement you just made. I'm so, <laughs> I so disagree with you. Are but, you going to steal some eyes from someone, Bert? Huh? Are you going to steal some eyes from someone? I guess. Oh my god. <laughs> so, this movie came out, I remember when this movie came out, I witnessed it in the theater because when I was younger, I guess like, I, I want to say like around 10 years old, I was determined to become an Egyptologist before I realized that you just don't do that anymore because colonialism, you know, Egypt's kind of over that. They're like, oh, no thanks. No more of that. Thank you. We can, um, we can take care of this ourselves. <laughs> yeah, in fact, please never come here. Um, <laughs> so I, I went and saw it, and I remember I remember having mostly positive reactions back then, but again, this is 20 years ago. So um, now I, I definitely have uh, some mixed feelings <laughs> about this movie. There was a lot of racism, um, just <laughs> like more than I would have expected in a movie that's supposed to be like taking place in Egypt in the twenties, like more than than you'd expect with that setup. So, I'd never seen this movie before. I knew all about it because I went to Universal Studios and they had the ride. And you know what? That's about as much as I needed to know about it. <laughs> it's about the same damn thing. Yeah, I just kept, I feel like throughout most of this movie, there would be a scene, something would be happening, and I would just be thinking like, hmm, I really just kind of wish I were watching an Indiana Jones movie right now. Even one of the lesser Indiana Jones movies would have been perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Well, there's about the same amount of racism in this and Temple of Doom, so. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, I think this movie is better than uh, Crystal Skull. I haven't I mean, seen but it. But that's not, I don't count that as an Indian. That doesn't make the canon for me. Yeah, that's like saying that, like, yeah, like oh, this the smell of burnt popcorn's at least better than dog shit. Yeah, it's a low bar, <laughs> low bar to clear. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> see, here's the thing. Okay, so, I mean, I know we're going to talk about racism, which is good. It's good to critically analyze um, everything you consume. But yeah, uh, Temple of Doom has racism in it, too, and it's still a much 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 better film because even if you took all the racism out of this one it it would still be a pretty big stinker i feel uh it's <laughs> the entire film is just people going from one scene to another and talking about the plot and it, it, it's uh, you know what the exact comparison i i could not help but make the entire movie was phantom menace this felt exactly like the phantom menace it's a bunch of people walking around from scene to scene talking to each other about the plot that never actually really nothing much happens and then every once in a while 
a computer effect will go, hey, I'm a computer effect, and now we're fighting, and then my brain goes, oh, I'm watching a film. I'm a human, and then I go back to sleep once they start walking around again. That's like the the entire thing. <laughs> so you're saying the mummy helped ground you in your own humanity. What? <laughs> what do you mean? No. You said it made you feel like a human. Uh, okay, as opposed to most movies where I don't even process that I'm a human because I'm just... I, Absorbed in the story. <laughs> I'm subconsciously aware that I'm a living being. I don't lo- have an existential crisis watching it because it's so boring <laughs> and bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, that's that's kind of the main thing for me is mostly just that the movie felt pretty boring. I was not... There was no scene that it was just like, well, I am interested in seeing the results of what happens here, whether that's for character development purposes or actually doing a thing about the problem that they face it was all just very like we're just checking off the plot boxes here and the the plot doesn't make a lot of sense so that wasn't very satisfying either katie what did you think of the mummy 1999 (laughs) (laughs) um i mean i i kind of touched base there like again like there i saw it when i was younger i think when it came out and i just remember like not really liking it for a lot of reasons part of that is like even even as like a 15 year old i was just like i don't like how the female character is portrayed um then but like you know nowadays i'm just like well that's pretty much every movie now i just feel like a broken record uh there was racism there was sexism it was weird there was only a little (laughs) bit of nudity that i was compelled to look at um which i appreciate that it wasn't brendan fraser because i would be super bored if that was the case that was kind of it, yeah. I think a lot of it was just, like, it felt like it was trying so hard to be Indiana Jones, but, like, somehow boring. Or, like, I think the movie thought itself to be more tongue-in-cheek, but it really wasn't. Like, it was it just, also... So It felt really masturbatory. It felt like... Indi- <laughs> yes. Watching this film was like watching Indiana Jones shamefully jerk off in the shower. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I don't think this movie has shame, though. That's it should, neither does Indiana Jones in the shower, man. <laughs> exactly. No one's there to watch him. Like you the know, way you described it made it sound like it was a sad moment for Indiana Jones. Oh, it's sad. No, it's sad for. <laughs> it's sad that you're aware that it happened. It's I sad bet. that we're forced to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So Harrison I mean, Jones looks sadly at the camera. <laughs> So a fundamental thing, I mean, there's a lot, you know, just like, like scene to scene direction and performances and like dialogue and stuff and exposition. Like, yeah, like there's a lot of that bad stuff. There's also like a fundamental thing going on here that I think one of the cool things about Indiana Jones and in particular Raiders of the Lost Ark is that uh, if you're going to have your supernatural elements to your adventure film, they end up being like a pretty big surprise to the characters that that shit actually works out you realize like oh crap like this stuff like it unravels over time and then it's like you know surprising and incredible this movie takes the opposite tack of that which is to start us out with the being in egypt like kind of like instead of like allowing anything to unravel over time just like hands us the thing from the very beginning as we watch like magical shit happen and 
like the, in Egypt and they're trying to like really stylize it, but we have no idea why these people are painted gold. Like none of the like way the characters act in, in Egypt really makes any sense to, from like, how is this affair happening? And then the way it's discovered is like such a stupid way where he just like put the Pharaoh pushes the door open and then allows himself to get stabbed. Like that's all very dumb. And then the curse is very stupid. Why wouldn't you just like regular torture him real bad to death <laughs> yeah. instead of like torture him in a way that gives him unlimited godlike powers if somebody wakes him up? Like that just seems like a big risk right. for very little reward. Okay, so the minute supernatural stuff starts happening in front of people in this movie, like, literally every person in the movie just sort of accepts that that's, it's happening. We're all just, like, magically, like, oh, yeah, okay, oh, no, the, the guy, the mummy dude is coming to kill us. Oh, he turned into sand. Oh, he's afraid of cats. This is fine. Nobody, like, (laughs) nobody freaks out or, like. I, I don't know. Like, even Scooby-Doo, like, characters respond more strongly to this kind of stuff. And that's fake on Scooby-Doo. Like, <laughs> well, that's a, the characters, I think, all know that they're in an explicitly Orientalist film <laughs> of, like, this, like, mummy horror. It's a mummy curse film. Like, that was, like, a cliche, like, back from, like, the early, you know, days of filmmaking. And all the characters are pretty aware they're in that kind of film. Um, I think, like, and I'm thinking a lot about discussions around Orientalism right now in, in connection with Aladdin, for example, where the Orientalism of Aladdin is, I would say, um, maybe more benevolent, uh, whereas this leans into an explicitly colonialist perspective on Egypt. All right. I think we need to argue about this. What? How do you feel that whoever involved with this being self-aware helps it at all it's it's it doesn't make it any better it, it kind of makes it worse honestly because yeah. it's just kind of like so they know it sucks and i and I, okay i will be this I, is camp this is a camp film okay so that's exactly is what i was it? about to say listen i'm kind of biased because i don't think i like camp at all i mean i i like it when it's unaware and it ends up being comical or like interesting and neither of those things apply to this. This movie is a very deeply unfunny movie. There is so much bad comedy in this film. Oh my goodness. It hurts. <laughs> I mean, if you want to say it's a... Pa- I, I get I get the concept that it's a pastiche of these old things. I don't see how that's benefiting the film at all. Like, I, I don't know. I, I ugh, Maybe I just hate camp. Is it, is it just yeah. me? I don't know. <laughs> It's very weird to have, like, a love letter, if if that's what this is, like, a love letter to a genre movie that, like, completely died out maybe 40 years before the movie was even made. This is the start of studios revisiting old properties and trying to give them, like, contemporary facelifts to profit from again. Like, this is, like, someone going back to, like, the original Mickey Mouse and being like, I'm gonna remake Steamboat Willie. Oh, like, all the live-action remakes of, like, Exactly, Disney exactly. This is, the, this is the start of that. But I hate worst. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fucking so what worst. you're saying is the mummy was the beginning of the end and we should all appreciate that <laughs> yeah exactly Ugh. all right i i don't want to i don't want to my my object here is not to gang up on matt i want to understand i i read reviews for this movie because it was just kind of baffling after i saw it. it was like this this was really popular at the time and it's got some good reviews and i, I just don't what am i missing here and and a lot of the reviews i i remember specifically seeing a review that said this is this is unpretentious fun, 
And I think it is just so unfair to dichotomize like this movie and pretentious art films, like as if as if those are your options, like <laughs> like because because like we we saw like Dark City and and uh, I don't know like Edge of Tomorrow, Mad Max, like Mad Max is not a pretentious film, but it's way better than this. Like I, I just don't I don't understand why those are your options, you know. This is a movie that wants to give its audience everything they expected when they left the theater. Think of that scene with the uh, Hebrew slaves reference, like when Benny like rips out like all the different sort of religious yeah. symbols, and he and he pulls out one, uh, a, a Star of David and starts speaking in Hebrew, and Imhotep goes, "Oh, the language of the slaves." There is no historical reason or accuracy, and we knew that by 1999 that uh, you'd integrate the biblical myth of, you know, the Exodus with actual Egyptian history. It's giving people what they expect because, like, oh, ancient Egypt, like, in our cultural zeitgeist, involves Jewish slavery. It's giving people, like, that's an example to me of, like, they're giving the audience what they want. Sometimes it does things that are stupid, but they are stupid in a way for me, for me that is humorous and how absurd it is so like when the mummies yell at brendan fraser and he yells back that's patently ridiculous but it works in the stupidity of the film itself see okay i okay i think i think i can kind of comprehend like your argument here so like for example i'm just trying to like analogize this to like music so like because because i like a lot of like interesting complicated weird music but, but there are bands who just play fucking power chords. Like, The Who is really popular, and they basically just play three fucking chords all the time. Like, they just play big power chords, and that's all they do. But it works because it's big and dumb, and the audience wants to hear it. Um, and they made a song about pinball. Sure. But, but I mean, that's actually adding complication to it. I mean, they could they could play a song without I know. fucking I'm, lyrics. I'm saying you're... you're, yeah. you're maybe being too harsh on the who no but what i'm saying is sure sure i I don't know you could get way dumber than i mean the who's a great band i'm just i'm name i'm trying to be more on the generous maroon five maroon five is what you're okay perfect that's that's fine so yes they play dumb music for babies but like that's what babies want so it works out (laughs) but like at the same time like this movie spends so much time nothing actually happens for the first hour of the fucking movie like it's so I was sitting there like, when is something going to happen? Everybody it's, just keeps wandering. It's setting around. up though. This is this is a domino kind of film. If you, you set, set the things dominoes. up, they have to pay off, man. There's so much that doesn't pay off. Like it, it's they just wander for and and talk about nothing for an hour, and then like, and I get, a, but I don't feel like it's set up. It's it's set up in the sense that it's like, hey, we're gonna have a lot of dummies in the audience, so we have to over-explain every single thing. We have to really get into the details of the mummy's curse. Like, why? Like, everybody like everybody goes, okay, there's a mummy. It's, it's cursed. Like, they don't even need the, the intro sequence with the, the time, the flashback thing, or I don't even know what you'd call it. The flashback just does not need to be There's no reason for it to be in there the movie. At all. <laughs> it's, I mean, and I shouldn't really say that because it's more entertaining than a lot of the rest of the movie, but still, it doesn't need to be there. It's, but, so my only concept for why it's there is that they were like we have to over explain the plot we when they throw in narration that doesn't need to be there they're just like the audience is dummies so we really need to make it uh, and look if if you're listening to this show and you're a dummy 
and that is fine, okay? If I you're don't... participating in this show, if you're recording as a host of this show... <laughs> it might have <laughs> been for, like, a lot of younger people, too. Because I know, like, I went and saw sure. it with my dad. Like, you know, like my, it was, like, I think one of those, like, summer movies that you'd, like, take your yeah. kids to. So, like, that's it's also part of it, about, like, being able to keep up, right? Like, it's, it's kind of that in-between. Like, it's not a kid's film, per se, but it's, you know, something. Probably... You're absolutely it, it's I feel like it's just trying to appeal to the most markets possible aside from Egyptian people and people that you know women and <laughs> like people who would get upset by this but but what I mean is like I feel like it's condescending to both the audience and children and anybody else to to like kids can watch like complicated stuff and still get the majority of it like you don't have to I don't know Baby, I'm the pretentious guy. I, I mean, I know I am pretentious. That's aside the point, but it's just, oh man, what a drag! Like the first, the first half was such I kind of a drag. I kind of was bummed, not bummed because I knew what would happen, but I like I wouldn't mind a movie with Brendan Fraser getting into hijinks, like as a member of the French Foreign Legion, what or whatever was going on. <laughs> that sounds like a movie that I'd be kind of into. Did um, Brendan Fraser just, work like, for you? Honestly. I was kind of charmed by Brendan Fraser. I'm not ashamed to admit that. He's he's a charming fellow, and he's doing his best, but he's got a really goofy character. Yeah, goofy is, is the right word. He's doing some kind of weird John Wayne impression. He makes these faces, man. He makes these really weird... Yeah. Like, that's I, called acting. You emote. Oh, no, man. No, <laughs> no, sir. He's... It's like Encino Man. I don't... <laughs> He's making caveman faces. Like, come on. I mean, he's. It's not like he's not charming. It's just he's not Indiana Jones. He's he's just a like dork. I <laughs> and he's somehow the main character of this movie. Um, I mean, he's definitely kind of treating it like he is in a cartoon, which is not far off. No, that's this is bi- actually the majority of this. I, I remember actually. I have it in my notes. Like in like the first. 15 minutes i was like this is literally just a live action cartoon like a really yeah. bad one uh it, like the comedy is the same way it's like all it's missing is the wacky sound effects um <laughs> i don't well, know maybe they could have run away from the mummy in like a hall full of doors and like run into one door and like come out the other one like mm-hmm. that could have happened too that would have been nice i feel like most That's of the slide stuff- whistles <laughs> Dracula, yeah. <laughs> I feel like most of the stuff with the mummy, I don't know. A lot of the special effects have dated, but like the the stuff with the the body was kind of cool, and then the actor that played the mummy has a sort of intensity to him. It's I don't know. It's just at the service of this. In Rachel Arnold, Rachel, Arnold Vosloo. Yeah. Okay. He's very fun. Yeah, he's fun. Rachel Wise is is. Doing her damnedest with what she's given. You know, she's she's doing good. It's just... I have to highlight my favorite uh, character actor, Eric Avari, who gets cast so often in these films as, like, the Arab guy. And he's not even, like, Arab himself. But uh, he's the um, curator that is, that's taken uh, Rachel Weisz's character and John Hanna's character underneath his tutelage, I guess. I do love the commentary of the film. I have to highlight this. That uh, he basically calls Evelyn uh, a failed daughter, who is like completely useless, 
And it's only there because her dad gave a shitload of money to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's portrayed by the movie as like a, a jerk boss. I don't know. It feels like, I don't know. I don't feel like we're supposed to necessarily agree with him. He just seems like a guy who's down on her because, I mean, yes, she did knock over all the bookshelves. To be fair, maybe don't arrange your bookshelves like that, dude. I don't know. It's just a just an idea. It's um, just to show that she's, like, clumsy and it just makes her cuter, see? <laughs> yeah, that is quite a trope. She's so, like... Haha, see, I'm so cute. It's like a typical thing, like, oh, I'm so, you know, like, ah ha ha, I'm so quirky, I eat pizza. It's like, I feel like that's the kind of, like, (laughs) character that they're trying to, like, portray here. Like, she's a librarian, but look, like, she's not super serious because look how clumsy she is. Yeah, and Brendan Fraser, like, forces her to kiss him, and then she's immediately like, oh, wait, do I like Brendan Fraser? And then, like, he 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 is handsome as she discovers after he takes a shower. So that's like most of the way there. And the whole scene where she's drunk and she's like, "I'm a librarian." I mean, it's funny, but at the same time, it's like this is her motivation as a character. It's spelled out on screen like she's she's nothing. Like she's just a caricature. I, <laughs> like this is what you're getting with this movie. I don't know. Um, she like I said, the actress is trying very hard, and she's. Pulling it off as best as could be by somebody. Like, more So, is it... Maybe this film is... And this is me still reading it generously. (laughs) Elevated by the performances of the people involved with caricature... Like, caricature roles. No. Like, because Brendan Fraser is a caricature. Like, he is an Indiana Jones caricature. He's a really bad... Like, I, I don't even think... I don't really understand. You, you, you want to call character. him like Alabama Smith? You're like that's how low a caricature he is. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of bad caricatures, and there's the guy with glasses. The minute okay, his glasses get knocked off, and he says, "Oh no, my glasses!" I was like, "I'm watching Scooby Doo." <laughs> it's literally Scooby Doo. Literally <laughs> the same thing. There's the guy who like all the locusts show up, and he just sits there and he goes like, "I don't even." He says some dumb. Roland Emmerich lies is like we are all doomed and stares in the camera I'm like dude you got locusts all over you you want to like get up and run away <laughs> and then there's like the the bumbling dude who grossly hits on uh, Rachel Wise and then he he gets to the room with all the scarabs and he's like he's alone in the room and he's oh. like oh these will fetch a hefty price I'm like who the fuck are you talking to who wrote this movie <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that one. That character got like the most like racist like portrayal. It was just more, it was awful. It was so. It's between him and Benny. Benny was. It's. It's not so much like I. I kind of went off on the actor. It's not really the actor. It's. It's. It's his position in the movie. He just shows up randomly in scenes and. And Brendan Fraser's like, ah, oh, it's that fucker. I'm gonna get you. And then he runs off. And like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> what's going on? I don't understand. It's a bad movie. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> you, you don't have to apologize to me. I'm definitely feeling the heat from this one. But I understand your viewpoint. It's definitely like popcorn. Like that, to me, again, this is like a camp. It's low camp. And for me, like I said, the the performances of the the people elevate it. Like Brendan Fraser is the perfect match for this script, and not in a way that's demeaning to him as an actor. 
his goofiness like takes this edge off and matches kind of like the unseriousness of this movie i think in just the right way for me i don't want to spend the whole podcast arguing with you i really don't like like there's no edge to take off man there's nothing like like and okay this movie was clearly originally supposed to be a horror movie there's there's i counted there's seven absolutely just the saddest of jump scares you could possibly muster in this film (laughs) they're so bad and it's it's like somebody wrote this as a horror movie and they went oh wait let's make it a silly movie so there's nothing scary like right nobody's ever in any actual danger at any point oh but winston dies i forgot i forgot about winston yes that's true also there was like all the the dudes who opened the chest they all died horrifically okay but none of them are people in the script exactly you know Winston Rachel literally they're all mummy fodder. They're character. all mummy fodder. Rachel Weiss's character was in danger. Uh, was she though? Yeah, did she you, was like on you... the sacrificial. Right, but you know, you know, I'd actually with, with, say with supreme confidence that she's gonna make it through. I would like, actually say that was the only entertaining scene in the entire movie was when Brendan Fraser fought a bunch of things. Like, and there's actually like choreography going on, and she's about to get <laughs> killed or something. Like I was like, okay, stuff is happening. I can I can pay attention for five minutes. Um, by by actual danger, I mean more of like a bird's eye view. Like when you're watching Midsummer, you know that literally everybody is in actual danger at yes, every it's, moment. It's true. When you're when you're watching the Mummy, you're like, yeah, I mean Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz are gonna make out right before the credits. Chris, are you saying the Mummy 1999 is not as good a movie as Midsummer? I have my suspicions. <laughs> Okay, uh... But that that was not actually my point. My point was in the difference between, like, movies with stakes and consequences and movies that are very clearly intended to be popcorn movies and have to have a happy ending because of audience expectations and that sort of thing. And this clearly fits into that particular category. And it's yeah, unfortunate it's, that it... The Mummy came out before we decided culturally that it's cool to root for your shitty boyfriend getting murdered. i do appreciate that now that being like a cultural movement that not only will they die but like you're allowed to feel good about it so you know i'm really excited for future movies where we can all cheer the slow horrifying torturous death of shitty boyfriends i mean she meets him and he assaults her brother and then sexually assaults her yeah no so that's like not a good start yeah like he's supposed to be charming and the whole time i'm just like this is a sex pest at best like what is this and like a, a fucking like a, like everything about him, I'm just like I, I guess I did not find the charm in that character. Yeah, I was like he's like this dude fucking sucks. That's why like the only hot person I found was like the mummy. The mummy. He's <laughs> like he at least killed a bunch of white dudes indiscriminately. So like I can get behind that. Yeah, and like Brendan Fraser, you're right. Like he he starts out like a fucking creep, and then. He just, continues. <laughs> yeah, no, he does, but it's in like this weird, like I'm cool, man. It's like no, you're not, dude. Like I don't, I don't. I'm a creep, but now like I'm a hot creep. He doesn't really have honor. anything special about him that like stops anything from happening the entire movie. Like, like the things that stop the mummy are he's 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 scared of cats. Um, he gets kissed by Rachel Wise, which distracts him. Like he's mainly ineffectual. Even even when uh, he has the sword fight, 
Uh, I'm pretty sure she saves him somehow, or or her brother does because he gets trapped on the ground, and I don't even remember. But like, it's like every scene he's doing something. It's like he's not actually. He's just another mediocre white dude. Exactly. He's just a guy. Like I don't. If any performances raised this movie to anything better than than substandard, I don't think it was Brendan Fraser. I think he's like last on. He's low on the list. Let's say that. Yeah, like, at least Indiana Jones was an archaeologist, so, like, you were expected to believe that he had any amount of, like, intellectual training and knew what he was doing as he was, right. you know, you know, looting stuff, of course, but, like, you're just like, oh, well, but he's a professional looter. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, that speaks to, like, the mo- the adventure trope of movies, I think, in terms of intent. So, like, for example, I think Brendan Fraser's character survives because, quote-unquote, he's not greedy. Compared to the other characters, at least. Like, he definitely has, like, things that he desires. Um, you know, he assaults Rachel Weiss, but... I think he survives because he's the main white dude. Yeah, none of well, them are greedy except except for the evil, the, the overt... The, the five, the, all the guys that die. Yeah, the overtly he... evil characters. Yes. But that means there's plenty... There's... Okay, that's another thing. There's a freaking cavalcade of characters in this movie that don't need to be in this... There's so many... There's the, uh, yeah, why do the Magi exist? Why why is that guy in this movie? Why is Rachel Wise's brother in this movie? Why is Winston in this movie? Why like why is Glasses dude in this movie? There's so many characters. There's Cowboy well, guy. If Glasses dude weren't in the movie, then how could the mummy get his skin back? Oh, I so it's not like he could have just came back and like magically gotten skin. No, we had He's to got, waste like, thirty yeah. minutes. <laughs> You know? We we established that he has like godlike powers. He can summon plagues, but he's still gotta go through like one by one, like sucking life out of people. Let me, I mean, you let know. me get that tongue. <laughs> you just get that tongue right out. Right uh, out what that mouth do? Put it right in mine. Oh man, it feels super weird to have somebody else's tongue in my mouth. But I guess I'll get used to it. Does it feel super weird to have someone's tongue in your mouth? Chris, have you never kissed anybody? <laughs> Whoa, but I've never had somebody else's tongue be my tongue. That's a different thing. Is it? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I've never kissed anyone who was bad at kissing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. That's true. He's got a point. Yeah, so, like, yeah, there's so many pointless characters. But I'm saying, like, all the characters I just mentioned, they're also not greedy. So that also makes Brendan Fraser just as not special. Like, there's... The only thing special about Brendan Fraser is that he's head wasp. But but it's like okay. <laughs> what my point what my point was King is wasp. That it's kind of like that horror movie trope. So like with like the horror movie where like sexuality um is that marker of like who gets killed and who doesn't, for example. Yeah. In the adventure film, I think there's a similar trope and that has to do with like that greed for plundering. Um, right objects and things like that like yeah, that i i agree that definitely but at the end of raiders they all get killed except for freaking marion and, and indiana Jones. like like all of them Be- because he's not desiring the power of the ark yes but there's so right. many characters in the mummy that are not greedy so therefore there's nothing special about Brendan. like Frasier. especially like the workers who just like get fucking murdered just I'm just. I'm trying to explain the rules of the mummy world. I understand. I, there are none. 
<laughs> there are no rules. It's like an RPG where you have 300 characters, like, and, and Brendan Fraser is the main character, but it doesn't matter because there's 300 of them. Like, yeah, he just survives because he's the PC. Yeah. Exactly. He's the player the mummy is The mummy is just going with your family to Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> 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 there are no rules. There's no rules. It's just right. Outbacks, that's very 1999 as well. Um, exactly. <laughs> like, Winston shows up. It's, it's gotta be like an hour and 20 minutes into this movie. Yeah, like, it's like, why is he just there? Just, oh, now he's dead. Just like, cut to he's a an scene. homage to British imperialism. Thank, thanks. So they cut they cut to him, and he's, he's like, Aha, Winston, my old friend who knows how to fly a plane. My yes, old friend who I'm me. just Okay, now to. the scene's over. Bye. I wonder if a plane shall show up in 15 minutes and Winston shall be flying it. It's like, why is this happening? It it reminded me of Serenity with the with the with the kid with yeah. the kid that shows up and he's like, "Hi, I'm your best buddy." Except that's deliberately meta commentary, and this is not. I'm telling you, there's no way the director was like, "Yes, we'll put a stupid character in who nobody knew of before." Because reasons, like no, they were definitely trying to do that. Because I I guarantee you. There was a writer who said, wait a minute, if we don't have a pilot, how are they going to fly a plane? Well, just stick it in the plot an hour and 20 minutes in. Who cares? That's how the whole movie feels. (laughs) It's like they wrote a whole script and then somebody went over it and said, here's all the problems with the script. And then the same guy who fucked it up went back to fix it and fucked it up even more. Like... That person is Steven Summers, who also wrote Van Helsing. <laughs> you don't say. What else did he do? G.I. Joe. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, like, listen. I mean, all that stuff is the same in that they should, like, The Mummy, G.I. Joe, Van Helsing. They should all be animated cartoons on Saturday morning. They should not be feature-length films that you watch in the summertime. They're just cartoons. Like, stick to your lane, buddy. Would you appreciate it more if there was a talking dog? Honestly, yes. If, if it went so far... That's the thing. You're talking about how it's camp and it's like tongue-in-cheek. If it went so far as to wink at the audience and say, we are being stupid and this is all dumb... <laughs> just a dog be like... Whoa? Yes, right. I'd be like, or like okay. A, like a mummy, a mummy dog that comes back with the mummy or something like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> or a mummy dog with like a sandwich in its hand. <laughs> Yeah, and if they all, like, ran into doorways and then came out the wrong ones and they're chasing each other around, you know what I mean? Like, that's fine. I'd be like, okay. As the Yakety Sax played. Exactly. Like, (laughs) I am okay with that. Katie, I think you shared a link in our group chat about mummy curses, right? Um, not specifically about curses, uh, it was about more the, uh, like, geopolitical landscape of, like, antiquities within Egypt. And it's specifically okay. about, um, so I think a lot of the, like, fascination once again, because, like, you know, it goes through periods, like, where there was, like, the whole big thing in the 20s and 30s about Egyptology, and then people got hype about it again because of Zahi Hawass, um, because he hosted a bunch of stuff on, like, Discovery Channel about, like, discover like, you know, um, finding new, mumbo- like, tombs and stuff like that, and he was, I think, the direct- their director of antiquities for Egypt, so, um... I know he did some good things. Like, he was basically, like, contacting some museums to be like, you fucking stole this shit from us. Like, give it back. 
Um, like you didn't take it, like, you know, you came in here in like the you know, early 20th century, you stole our shit, give it back. And so I was playing with the idea of like the mummy's curse being like, a, as a whole, a way to sort of discourage, you know, plunders and colonialism. Granted, a lot of grave robbing still happened and it just wasn't necessarily from like Europeans or Americans, but, um, there was like that whole thing of like, oh, mummy's curse, we better not go in there, um, just like, you know, steal shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was about like the rise and fall of Zahi Hawass because like a lot of people may have remembered him, especially during this time period, I think where he really like rose to, to popularity and getting people like interested in like archaeology and Egyptology again. So from reading the article, he sounds like the cake, the cake boss of Egyptian antiquities. Yes, basically that's what he was. But like it was a way to get people, I guess, like excited about it again, because again, like you can't have archaeologists come in and. Like, unless they invite you in, I think, for a while. It was kind of like vampirism and that sort of thing. Like, no, we're going to do stuff in-house because we've had too many people come and steal shit. Um, so it's like that in a lot... Like, archaeology is also like that in a lot of uh, South American countries now, too. Where, um, I mean, and rightfully so. Because they're like, cool, it's cool that you want to do this. Uh, stop trying to, like, take shit out of our country. That's part of our heritage. Thanks. Yeah, I, I mean, this is, like, on a very serious note but and doesn't have a lot to do with the movie in any way but definitely when i went to the british national museum just walking around just like seeing more and more objects stolen during imperial occupation of the entire especially the east just there and there's no I, I don't know if there were, like, things that I missed about it or anything, but certainly, like, not on each exhibit or anything are there any acknowledgement that, like, this is, doesn't fucking belong to you. Uh, right. And that, like, legacy of Empire is really frustrating and really just unacknowledged by the, like, institutions that benefit from it. And, uh, and that's yeah. why the only superhero movie worth really seeing is Black Panther because they address Black Panther. That. <laughs> they They're like, you literally... fucking stole this. You came into our country and you stole this shit. Like, admit it. <laughs> so. Yeah, me and my roommate were just talking before this about um, at the Met how there's just so much Egyptian stuff and you go to see it and it's just kind of sad because it's like, yeah. this shit doesn't belong here and you're looking at it. Don't you feel um, bad? Th- yeah, there's a, like, when you see an actual mummy and you're just like, Jesus Christ, this is like somebody's body that was taken out of their home, yeah. out of their country, oh, man. put on display. And, like, what the fuck? What are the moral implications of this? Uh, that was actually one of the better ones. Uh, better treatment if they were put on display. For a while, people were stealing mummies and grinding them into powder. Yeah, that's worse. But... Much worse. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty fucked up. Um, I think socially, like, consciously, like, we're getting to the point of being like, wait a minute. Um, this is, again, like, this is someone's, like, heritage. Granted, of course, most people that were mummified were, like, nobility. So... Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck them. But <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's what people are doing. But it's the rich eating the rich, so I think it was kind of lost there. Yeah. But, um, no, for sure, uh, in, in Houston, we have... Uh, it's really sad. Actually, makes me super depressed. Is like, in Houston, we have the Menil, which is a free contemporary art museum. Um, it was, like, donated. It was something about, like, the like something with, like, Byzantine art was, I think stolen but they were like it's fine though we'll just make it free and we won't charge people and that way it'll it'll be fine this way we'll just be borrowing it indefinitely um but uh they do like some actually like really interesting progressive modern art and it's really cool there's a whole other wing 
that's like African or like indigenous, like various indigenous art. And you're like, how? I don't think this was donated. Like this was probably in some like rich white dude's collection that he maybe bequeathed upon them, you know, to um, his death or something. And like two miles away, there's the African art museum that is curated by African Americans. And like, no one goes there. And it's just like super sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about that or, a lot. Or that art might have been gotten in exchange for, you know, uh, slaves or things like that. Right. Like, so we don't actually know like where, like how the, like some of these museums like obtained it. It's like one thing if it was like, this was donated by, you know, indigenous fam- like people to increase awareness. Like, Hey, that'd be cool. I'd be down for that. But those are usually traveling exhibits. Um, in fact, I think that's the only time that you actually will see a lot of, Egyptian exhibits is because like they are, they travel, like they are on loan. They're not permanent um, installations for the most part. Um, and I, I don't think mummies tour very often uh, either so much. Like now it's more like, you know, cultural artifacts. I think I saw a King Tut exhibit when I was like nine or 10. And I think that was the last major one I remember seeing. And I know that like, I don't think that was the, the body itself because it's kind of not doing great. <laughs> It's not in good shape. It wasn't in good shape to begin with is the thing about decomposition. Um, but yeah, like I remember that. Like I, I do remember like being hype about, you know, uh, archaeology and things like that. And then like as I got older, I actually like went to school for anthropology, which includes archaeology. That's when you, you start to learn about like, oh, oh, no, this is a really dark history. Oopsie daisy. Yeah. <laughs> that's the people we're dealing with in the mummy 1999 yep <laughs> a bunch of grave robbers but they're not greedy so they get to live right yeah i mean like that's what that was indiana jones too stuff like that i'm trying to think of like there's one natural history museum that isn't like super problematic it might be the dublin archaeological museum because it's mostly just smushed bog people <laughs> Um, so it's like all kind of done in house for the most part. I want to watch that movie. These are our old corpses. You want to check them out? Bog mummies <laughs> fucking rule. Like they still have fingernails, and like the stories behind them are much more awful. Like, oh yeah, this guy was like cut in half, like after having his nipples sliced off, um, and like just thrown <laughs> in this bog. And you're like, what? And because he didn't even get unlimited godlike powers. Exactly. That's fucking he brutal. He got like orange, like tanned leathery skin that's now forever <laughs> under some lamps like you know so wait is is there any what why did they give him unlimited godlike powers who knows oh because oh it's torture oh we're gonna torture it's the worst it's the worst possible torture there's this unfortunate side effect well they'll be unstoppable but we'll just we just make sure that we'll pass down this tradition 3,000 years, because that's always gone great. I feel you know? like George, a- George W. Bush would have would have incorporated that. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah, passing down traditions for 3,000 years unchanged, that has always gone well, right? Like Christianity, everything's unchanged from those original teachings. I'm sure it's fine. So it's just- also, what a like weird view of like Egyptian religion and magic is like, these fucking idiots, they have this torture curse that makes their worst enemy into a god. Like, how, like, badly do you have to underestimate some <laughs> culture to be like, I bet this is what you do. I think people how were, like, always kind of, I guess, obsessed with the idea of, like, mummification, because then there's always, like, oh my god, what if it happened when you're alive? Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it seems by our standards today, like, never like, we're like, oh, that seems so grisly. 
And so, like, I could see, like, like, that captured the imagination of a lot of people. But, yeah, this whole, like, oh, you know, and, and the idea of preserving, like, for the, the afterlife and you needed all these things so that you could be directly resurrected. It wasn't just, like, your soul leaving your body and you're going to another place. It's like, no, you're coming back to chill. Um, so, like, I, I kind of see how that might have grabbed some people's imaginations. Although then you have the pe- person who is behind Van Helsing, possibly the worst movie I've ever seen. Well, it's in the top ten. I don't know if anything will yeah, ever stay tuned. I don't, I don't listeners to the podcast the for the Van Helsing episode soon yeah. to come. I'm oh, sure. God, no. We're really. I mean, not that the Mummy didn't, but there's I'm some point where we're drunk. stretching the definition of science fiction. <laughs> I definitely okay. I will say about halfway into the. I mean, when nothing was happening for half the movie, I definitely did have a second like. Mm, sci-fi fantasy speculative something sure horror we also said horror too again in in applying to this movie oh i don't know how this applies to the mummy 1990 maybe a little bit maybe so i think i kind of know the answer for this one would people recommend this film as something to watch my favorite podcast we hate movies they have things called hangover films or hangover movies this is definitely a hangover movie where like following the plot will not necessarily help you and you kind of you can absorb it through osmosis and just see what happens and enjoying the spectacle i'm gonna do my best film critic my best film critic impression uh it is a hangover movie you should hang it over a giant bottomless pit and then drop it right in (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just feel like there for each of the things that you could watch this movie for there are better movies for that purpose uh if you want to watch an adventure movie, there's many, many. You should start with Indiana Jones, and then there's lots of other ones. If you want to watch some goofy, like, horror-inspired, has fantastical elements, I don't know, nothing springing to mind, but there's got to be something better for that <laughs> I'm going to be purpose. really specific, but then come up blank. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, even <laughs> if you this, wanted to watch... I was hoping that sentence would finish <laughs> itself somewhere. <laughs> if, you can watch Constantine. Watch Constantine. Oh, yeah! That movie is fun. That even if you fun. wanted like, to watch another mummy movie, the other ones have the rock in them. Like, why wouldn't yeah, you watch so those? do that. <laughs> those are worse. Those movies are definitely worse than I the mummy. I don't believe I will you. stand by this. The mummy 2 is awful. It is way worse. It is way more serious in all the worst ways compared to this one. Do not watch the sequels. Okay, so watch watch Constantine. Yeah, <laughs> that, that movie's great. Uh, it's got Keanu Reeves, Tilda Swinton. Like, is is uh, it's got Peter Stormare, which is important. Stay tuned. That's important too for Constantine. I'm sure we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love Constantine. Actually, like, I I actually do too. Yeah. Katie, would you recommend this movie no. to anyone? Thank you. So, coming up next week, we'll be discussing the 1979 film Alien, and look forward to something special we've got planned for the month of October. Uh, where can we find you all on social media? I, Bert, am at Refreshing Time on Twitter. I'm not doing anything. Um, I am tweeting exclusively about Magic the Gathering at, at CCR underscore Grindcast. I'm making regrettable decisions at AnimeWadeFart69. And doing cool stuff with El Wire. That's true. I, I, am, yeah. I am posting a lot about that, so there's there's that. You can find me at a very big bear on Twitter, and you can find the cast uh, at Second Star Cast on Twitter, and where um, you can find us Second Star to the left on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you want to find podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Do you have all that written down? <laughs>